Welcome everyone to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and today I have with me Dr. Roseanne, who is going to give you insights, strategies, and a whole new perspective on what you can do in 2021 with all of the anxiety and stress that's happening inside of special education. So Dr. Roseanne, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. I feel like we're sisters. You're a sister from another mother. <laughs> right. We, just, we couldn't stop talking before this. And I'm like, we have to hit record. We have to stop giving them all this good stuff that we're talking about. So um, we always start with a new guest here at the, the podcast of how did you end up at an IEP table? Share with us you know, your role in special education. Yeah, so I ended up at an IEP table um, in the late 1990s as a school psychologist. And so I started on that end in working in the schools. And then I uh, actually had no intention of having a private practice. And the staff started asking me to test their kids. So I was a school psychologist evaluating kids, seeing kids, and that's my story of how I switched to the other side and I started, you know, advocating for kids not as a school employee but as a private evaluator. Um, and I, you know, have did evaluations for twenty something years and just stopped doing evaluations in two thousand and nineteen. I still have one federal court case left. So it's working its way through, and um, I'm excited to be a part of that because it's a, a great case that will hopefully change law. Oh, I love that. So for everybody who's listening, both of our parents and our teachers, I want you guys to listen in a way that um, you have confidence in what Dr. Rosanne is sharing with you, as in she's been there, she's done that, she gets it. This is not her speaking just from a clinical point of view. She works directly in tough cases where she has seen all different sides. She understands what's happening. And I saw Dr. Roseanne the first time kind of in action working when this whole pandemic hit and she hosted um, kind of like a round table with Pete Wright and everybody knows Wright's Law, Pete Wright. And we're talking about what's going to happen in special education. And I was like, oh yeah, we need to talk because we've got some more tips and strategies we need to share. So um, let's really focus our conversation because we talk on so many different things um, on what are we supposed to do here in 2021 with virtual learning, uh -huh. stress, overwhelming anxiety, and this gut instinct of we just want to like disengage and like just let it go. Like that's everything that's swirling. So I'm just going to pass that over to yeah. you and say, let's jump in and tell us let's what to do. Talk about all the overwhelm. Um, and, you know, you and I are both moms. I'm a special needs mom. Both my kids are special needs. My one child has PANS and Lyme disease and my other is a dyslexic. Um, I will tell you that one is homeschooled and one is, always was homeschooled or, or on and off has been homeschooled, but homeschooled before the um, pandemic. And the second goes to an amazing, cool school that's really fun. So I have only done public education for a couple years not because of the IEP process and a 504 and all the other stuff. It's because the Hodges are trailblazers and we just need to be in a different kind of education setting. Um, I'm glad I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I wouldn't survive in our education system. So I get it as a mom. 
on a lot of levels. And so, and I get it as being, um, whether you're an educator and I'm in those meetings and, and supporting, you know, the families and the kids and educators, you know, so I do a lot of consulting for schools as well. And so everybody is feeling overwhelmed and I want to just want people to know this is a valid experience and a valid feeling. And I also want you to know is don't run away from our, your feelings. I think one of the biggest issues we have, Catherine, in America before the pandemic is we want to disconnect from uncomfortable emotions. And there's some normal part of that, but we've gone to the extreme. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. And what we're supposed to do, a healthy response to uncomfortable emotions, fear, anxiety, you know, worry, excitement, is to let it sit with you for a moment. You know, my friend, Dr. Joan Rosenberg says 90 seconds, like sit in there, experience it and move on from it. Don't disconnect from it because when you try to disconnect from the emotions that we're experiencing now, it's going to creep up and bite you in the butt. It's going to show up in another way. It's going to show up and disturb sleep. It's going to slow show up in headaches and stomach aches and being unfocused. So that's super, super important is, is acknowledge your feeling and experience it for a moment. And then what do you do? What do you do with all of this? So we are in control of our mind. Okay, our subconscious is really in control. But <laughs> but we have an ability to control our mindset, right? And I talk a lot about a resiliency mindset and it being three parts, right? So we talk we hear in education, resiliency, resiliency, resiliency. What is that? Right? I don't know. Tell us because yeah. what does that look like in action? It's a really fun word to put out there yeah. and sound like we're being inspirational but it doesn't connect to us. So what does that look like? No. And we often hear this in IEP meetings. He needs to be more resilient, you know, and it's really about, to me, it's three parts. It's how you view, manage and recover from stress. And we know, you know, being, being a mom, of special needs kids, working with thousands of people, helping them reduce and reverse their mental health issues. Um, managing stress, is a huge problem in our special needs population because their nervous system is dysregulated. And just overall, you know, what does that mean? A nervous system being dysregulated? It means that in we have our, our nervous system, we have something called an autonomic nervous system. And so there's a chill out, relaxed state. I call it my hot tub state. It's a parasympathetic chill out state. Remember that mom and dad pre-pandemic. Um, <laughs> and then maybe some of you do know it because we're doing some of the things we're going to talk about. And then there's a sympathetic, high stress, your body thinks it's going to war kind of state. And what's happening is before the pandemic, we were moving towards in a constant activation state due to chronic stress. So our kids are stressed 
inappropriate education, right? Developmentally inappropriate education. And then forget about it if your kid's, you know, dyslexic, right? 80% of kids in special ed have a literacy issue. God, God forbid somebody gives them some Orton Gillingham or Wilson, you know? <laughs> well, we're we're going to need a couple more podcasts. I can already I know. As we, um, as we jump know. into like what really needs to happen. Yeah. Um, Evidence-based approach. So this resiliency, how you view, manage, and stress, right? This resiliency mindset. This is a breakdown of our kids, right? And certainly a breakdown for all of us right now. And, you know, some of us are, are trying Trying to get in the manage, you know, some some of our kids are really not recovering well, right? So, you know, when we think of a young child and having a tantrum, and you know, you would say, how long do they recover? Is it is it an hour? Is it ten minutes? Is it quickly? You know, that has a lot to do with how you cope. But if we if we go to the beginning of how we view stress, right? This is where the the magic happens, because if we can change how we view our stressors, right? And I'll give you a great example. Um, if we change how we view stressors, we don't activate. We don't we don't move to this place where we what are people doing now? They're they're panicked. They're anxious and they're they're depressed and isolating. Right. So today was a great example in everyday life. And, and when I say that, you know, working through these three parts, this is everyday life, people. Just like our kids in our IEP, we want them to have high frequency so they learn. That same learning is with emotional health. I hope you're having an aha moment. So going to the therapist once a week ain't going to cut it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a daily practice. The daily practice, and I don't want people to feel overwhelmed by it. It's little things. So today, my 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 10-year-old John Carlo is my frequent subject of discussion because he's just a kid that's easy to parent, right? He's dyslexic, but he's like a 57-year-old, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, he says things like, Mom, I'm really tired. I'm going to bed. You know, like he would say that at five. You know what I mean? And we'd be like, I'm going to stay up in the bonfire. I'm ready to go to bed. You know, he's very self-regulated. So today um, at his school, they get to go sledding and stuff like that for pee. They, they do anything. They, so cool. So we left his sled at home and he was in the backseat of the car and he said, darn, I left my sled at home. And he wasn't upset or anything. And I said, you know, John Carl, we're already late. Let's just go back and get it, you know? And I go, you know, when you're late, it means something's going to go down. He's like, no doubt, you know? And, and, and I was like, I really loved how you just were like, okay, I met, I didn't have my sled, you know? And, um, and it was a moment for me not to freak out. And I wanted to reinforce how he coped with it would have been a major disappointment. It's like, you know, Catherine and I were talking, it's the first decent snowstorm we've had in Connecticut in three years. So everybody else would have had a sled, but John Carlo. And, you know, he handled it like a champ. He How he views stressor, because we've been working on this for a long time. And I want you to know, if your kid's 25, it's not too late to start. Um, and I roll wait, so all the parents who just said, wait a minute, I need to know how to do that. Like, it's not too late for us either. Right. Not too late for you. So like in that moment, I could have been like, darn it. A few more expletives. <laughs> I'm already late. I'm already late. How dare you forget that? 
right? And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Please let me know. Like I am not perfect. I've had my meltdowns, but I have come to realize more than ever that it is those moments that define your mental health. So it was me holding my stuff together. It was him holding his stuff together and, and, and taking a moment to talk about it because I want him to start changing how he views stress. So in this pandemic, why are, why are people freaking out? We have legit reasons. We have people have lost their jobs um, and, you know, maybe not even having food, not having access to computers. I mean, just real legit stuff. But there's a lot of people. I mean, I live in an area of the country where there's a, it's one of the wealthiest counties in America, right? So there's a tremendous amount of assets. People are losing it. People are angry at the world and they're attacking people on a small level. They're, you know, like, just like the person that yells at you in the grocery store and you're like, what just happened? You know? Right. Right. We're not seeing reasonable reactions that are happening to things. And then you put, you know, the special needs layer on top of that. And then you put virtual learning layer on top of that. And, you know, the mom's macaroni and cheese. Well, you know, the Zoom meeting is on and she's like, I can't keep my stuff together during this because I have to log into the Zoom and I have to get the macaroni and cheese done. And my child's going to melt down on the on the floor. So like that's the moment that I'm hearing you say we need to recognize, Okay, what what do I really need to be thinking about right now? What do I really need to thinking about right at that moment. But let's talk about what I've done, even with my own kid to prepare us for this moment, right? So so we we talk about mental health, right? We talk about when something junky happens or a disappointment, you know, or a freak out happens. We we problem solve. So so a lot of times we're like, you know, our kids have learning issues. And that learning, like I said, doesn't just stop in the classroom door. Some of our kids have high EQs, like my little guy's got a high EQ, right? And um, and he came out that way. Please know that he sort of came out that way and, and his brother didn't come out that way. So I so always he, ask people to say, explain your acronym for everybody. Yeah, so your emotional intelligence. Yeah. So, you know, some people have an innate component in learning math and, uh, you know, and or reading and other kids have really high emotional intelligence, right? So my little dyslexic with the super high emotional t- intelligence and of course, you know, hands-on engineering skills. And, <laughs> you know, you know, some kids, we have things we have to work with harder, right? And so stress management, resiliency, how you view stress, how you manage and recover, these are all things that are majorly affecting children in general, but during this pandemic. So what do we have to do to make it so that we can manage stress and be more resilient, right? We got to back it up. We have to do things on the daily to protect our nervous system. Um, What does that mean? Starts with mom, dad, self-care, okay? It's not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. And I will promise you, if you take 10 minutes a day, every day, seven days a week, and I say this all the time, go lock yourself in the garage or wherever else you got to be. Don't go in a bathroom because somebody's going to find you there. And <laughs> including the cat, Catherine, or the dog. 
And in the moment you go in the bathroom, the whole family's looking for you. Mine was always the car. Like I'd go run the errands and then I'd be like, okay, kids bring this stuff in. And then, you know, eventually like 15 minutes later, they'd be like, where's mom? Oh, mom never got out of the car. Like that's my, that was my transition time to deal with whatever was going to come up next. Yeah. Or even take a moment for yourself to talk to your girlfriend or, you know, I do that all the time too. And so, you know, taking 10 minutes a day for yourself and and that can be breath work, what we call diaphragmatic breathing, belly breathing. Um, why, Why is breathing important? Because we get our body in a rhythmic breath. We take it out of the chest Um, which is going to heighten our stress levels. And when we put the breath in a rhythmic manner, meaning like you're, you're breathing, you know, three seconds in and three seconds out, or you're doing four seconds, holding for seven out for eight, whatever breath you want to do a yoga breath. Um, it's going to get your nervous system calm and, you know, yoga, meditation, biofeedback, journaling, prayer, um, these kind of things allow the nervous system to calm down so that when stress happens, your nervous system isn't already activated. Like we already are, we're at maximum capacity. That's what's happening. I love that. That's what's going to like, I, I, again, another aha moment there. So I hope you guys are hearing this. The issue is that you're already on high alert. So when the stress is happening, you're overflowing. So you have to get below high alert before the next thing happens. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we're, we have the stress hyperactivation and your the way your nervous system is, is designed, right? We have science and we can work with neurobiology and what happens in the nervous system. So we're already in this stress activated state and then like a petty annoyance happens, right? And then, hello, you're feeling so angry and irritated. And, you know, forget about it if you're in perimenopause, you know. So you're already, it's already throwing fuel on the fire. You know, you, you missed your kid's Zoom meeting. They forgot to turn in this. I mean, you know, now you're, forget about you were the IEP coordinator. Now you're a teacher, you're a sous chef, you're cleaning more. I mean, it's like a lot, you know what I mean? Um, and so by ner- protecting our nervous system with these things, we're just not going to react in the same way. Our, we're able to, to view things differently. So that's really critical. What if you're like, sounds great, Roseanne, but I'm already in overload. So you can start and maybe you need to do, you know, the breath work three times in the day you know, and it's, you know, three, three or four minutes each time, but these things work and they work quickly if you do them. But what I love, yeah. And what I love about that too, is like what you're describing is something active. Like I can't just, if I'm going on that high alert stage, I can't like sit and relax. Like I need an actual strategy to be actively participating in bringing myself down. It's like, I need to do this first. I can't just, we can't switch. Nobody can just go, okay, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Just like your kid, when they are really having a hard time recovering, you know, you got to let them be for a minute. You got to let them relax. Um, and that's so important. And, and you might, and somebody may be too stress activated to do breath work, which happens all the time. So what are the things you can do? Get moving, get out and move, do artwork. 
um, you know, do knitting. These are things that help your nervous system to regulate and get into a rhythm and you, and you're able to calm down naturally and effectively. And what I love when we do these things, right. First of all, we're role modeling for our kids, but ideally we're getting our kids to join in and participate in it um, and getting them to develop these lifelong strategies because just like we're learning in this pandemic, which is an extreme form of stress for so many, stress never goes away. Stressors are normal. And we want our kids to have those independent skills. There is a lot of pressure on these kids today. And, you know, for kids that have a learning disability, they're always working harder. They're always in overdrive. And so by naturally their nervous systems are going to be more activated and they must do more of these things. I think the harder part for parents and professionals is we think, oh, it has to be a psychotherapy session. It has to be an OT session. I love those things. I think they're great. What we're missing is the daily. We're missing what parents can do and teaching them how to do it. Schools can do these things on the regular, you know, all the years, you know, 20 something years, I'd go on a class, I'd do an observation, and I'd be in there for the one kid, you know, the one kid. And if I had a great teacher, I'd be like, can we do this for the whole class, right? And you know, what would I teach? I would teach these kind of things. And, and you know, some teachers would be like, I don't have time for that, right? And I was like, I'm going to tell you when you practice, like, you know, I would always teach them basic yoga moves and things like that. When you do this for your whole class, you're going to get so much more time. Everybody's going to be happy. You're going to be less, you know, asking kids to stop wiggling and whatever. I mean, hopefully people don't do that anymore, but it still happens all the time. Well, it happens all the time still. All the, all time. the time. All the time. Yeah. I had some. I mean, I've seen some amazing teachers in action, like doing some amazing things. Um, I've also done pretty some seen some pretty cringeworthy things too. Um, and so, it, when we can be stress inoculating our kids by getting them to do these on the regular and the routine, and being such a great role model, uh, not a perfect role model. And even when you're imperfect, which we are, and we should model imperfection and call it out and be like, did you just see the way that I did that? You know, um, and what we need to do is teach them problem solving skills. So, you know, what by what's happening to a lot of people, as I noted in this pandemic, is people are disconnecting. Yes. They're like, I'm done. I don't want to feel it anymore. So I'm just not going to deal with anything. That is the worst thing we can do. It's we are all over the place because you. everybody thought, we were saying this be before we hit the record button. Like everybody thought like, okay, we've got three weeks of shutdowns. Okay, well, just another month. Okay, well, maybe after the election. Okay, well, maybe like everybody had these milestones that they were anticipating. Okay, once we get to this milestone, it will get better. But yeah. What I'm hearing you, you know, reinforce is that it, we can't wait for other things to get better. You have to pause every oh, day yeah. and take care of yourself, regardless of whatever the next milestone or decision or thing is that we can't control. Well, and you know, let's talk about that because that's really a lesson, right? So when we, first of all, I'm going to say something nobody wants to hear, right? You know, oh, I, I don't think we're getting back to normalcy till about. 2023. 
All right, you guys are going to have Dr. Roseanne's contact information. You heard it from her. Twenty twenty. So, don't email me about that. No, yeah, I'm just going to let you know because you know the Spanish flu took three years, so I know a lot of stuff about infectious disease and viruses. And if you want to follow, you know, vir virology and the pathology of you know of what happens, this is what happens. So, so we've it doesn't mean we're doing what we do now but i don't think we're getting back and we may never it may look different from going forward and, and some it, of those things are not so bad especially in our exactly. world well i i say special education fell apart in 2020 and we have the yeah. opportunity to put it back together better than ever i i love that i that, love that. that's where that's where our listeners are at so they're saying um, you know, don't disengage. Like what we're telling you right yeah. now, guys, stop no. disengaging because, but you don't have to engage um, with other people's expectations if it's not working for you either. Yeah. It's okay to advocate for yourself and for your child. So let's just say you need that extra transition time before the next Zoom meeting and you need those extra breaths and you decided, you know what, if you need permission, hear this right now. Dr. Roseanne and I are giving you permission to show up to the Zoom meeting late because you did some breath work to make sure yeah. that, that you guys were both regulated before you signed on. Absolutely. They're going to try to shorten that meeting anyway. So, you know, <laughs> but you know, we have to, how do we know it's not better? And you know what I love what's happened with all the neurotypical kids, you know, everybody's gotten a taste of what it's like to learn in a challenging situation before our special needs kids, they're always struggling. Right. And so I think people are being creative. I think they're understanding we need movement and routine and, and, um, lots of healthy things infused. And, um, we're, we're learning under the, when you teach to learning in the worst conditions, boy, some good strategies come out of that. Right. Yes. And, um, even, you know, I wrote this book, teletherapy toolkit, and I wrote it for therapists. It's the first book ever written on teletherapy activities because, we need a different way and therapists are not trained in how to do teletherapy. What did I do? I made a kinesthetic. I made it visual. I made it where we're teaching kids to connect to their bodies because therapists were freaking out just like teachers were freaking out at first. No training. Teachers rose to the occasion. You know, um, our, our leaders rose to the occasion. I think we're still working things out, but this is a hard time for, for many. And, I believe like you, I think one of the best silver linings out of this whole thing is a refocusing on mental health. And we're realizing that our kids long before this happened are struggling. I also think some kids in this time are doing amazing at home, a small subset. Yes, there are. There's definitely, you know, when we talk about all the struggles, there are some people that are like, this is working out for me. Like, I don't want to go back to how it was before. And I'm telling them, document what's working because we can adjust when things go back yeah. to whatever normal is going to be. We can adjust in the special education world. We have the, and people like get like, when I say this, I'm like, but we have the luxury in special education to individually design the program. Well, then I, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh, and I've been able to do that for, for people that I've worked with, that we have some unbelievably creative programs I'm not allowed to discuss, but <laughs> you got gag orders on YouTube. Me too. I know. I know. You can't tell the good stuff sometimes. And for everybody who doesn't know what we're saying, this is what we're saying. What we're saying is Dr. Roseanne and I, we have worked on some things where we've got some really yeah. creative solutions. And the only way we can get them for a family is if we sign a piece of paper that says we won't tell anybody exactly yeah. what that is. I know. 
but but I, I I can say that you know I definitely have had cases long before the pandemic where um, basically we sort of made a homeschool based programming with a lot of really cool things in it, including Dr. Rowe being involved. So um, so there there are there are ways to do it. It's always with good data and documentation, of course, and an amazing team who is the best interest of the kid at heart um, is is like the perfect situation. I'm not saying it always happens, but I've had that happen many times, actually. Um, so uh, I think that that's really important. But, you know, this is a time, you know, we will get through this. Um, I want people to know, as I always say, it's going to be okay. And, you know, we have to recalibrate. We have to say, okay, what can I do right now? Now, if you are feeling really stuck and, you, you know, you try to do breath work, you try to do yoga and meditation, um, and you may feel like you can't do these things, but you can find something. You can find something. But if you're feeling stuck and you're, the tweaks and the changes are not working, you need to go to a licensed provider who can help you. Um, and I really believe it's a therapist because we need to change our behaviors. And sometimes you just need to have guidance. Um, it's not somebody who's going to give you a pill. That's not going to change how you're acting. Right. Um, and it's not that we're saying that that choice is wrong if that's what you choose. However, please know that there's multiple layers to the actions that you can take yes. to get unstuck. Because just like the breath work might work for me and not for somebody yeah. else you know, the, the medicine route might work for somebody and not for somebody else. And the therapy route works for some, you know, and that I, I love the um, perspective though, that is coming through on several different episodes here that we're recording. The word therapy and therapist is coming out more often and you can still almost feel like a, do I say it? Do we just talk about it? Do we, do we say that it's okay? Do we, you know, are, are we pushing people to go to, no, it's not a, it's not a dirty word. No, no. And I love that mental health is, is becoming less stigmatized, but it, we got a long way to go. And, yeah. um, and what I like to flip the dialogue about therapy, right? So people have such a misimpression of what therapy is. A therapist is a teacher, it's somebody that really te helps you to learn new ways to think and act. And we can't um, do one thing. And, you know, regulating the nervous system is absolutely one part. That's the basis of my work. And the other part is new learning. And when you marry them together, hello. <laughs> I mean, and that's why thousands of people come to me because I only use natural evidence-based approaches um, and they're highly effective, but it's the pairing. You, you know, you can't just um, sometimes like somebody uh, this week was like called and um, was talking to our assistant director and was like, well, I'm noticing he's more focused, but his room isn't clean. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, did you go back in there and show him? how to clean his room. No, he's old enough. He's a teenager. He should know how to do it. Well, it's the first time in his life he's been alert. We've got to do teaching. And it's the same thing with, you know, coping and stress management, you know, and right now, you know, we need to employ as many healthy things as we can. Like we need to eat as well as we can. We need to exercise. We need to talk to our buddies. 
Yes. You know, um, we need to do a lot more hugging of our kids, even if they're a teenager and they won't let you. You tell them, I'm going to hug you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because we don't want that isolation. And, you know, we want to do all those things that build health from within. Um, and there's so many ways to do that. And, and it will create a wave, right? So a lot of times we're fighting so hard in IEPs for the big things. You know, I want the Orton. I want the math program. I want the specialist, right? But what I want to say to people is you have so much power as a parent. And it's those little, little things that really make massive change. And, um, you know, nobody told you when you were a parent, you're going to wake up after having that kid and you're going to be anxious. But holy cow, when you have a special needs kid, yes, you are worried. Yes, absolutely. So um, I just want to point out to everybody what she, what was really just talked about is accommodations and modifications can make or break a program. We talk about that a lot here. Um, so things like breathing breaks, movement breaks, yeah. um, like like spelled out, not like child can have some. It's like no. a plan to make it if happen. That's for some. You know, you love that. If he self-advocates. Right, I'm right, right. right. And I'm like... So, you know? Yeah, it's possible. So here, I have two questions for you as we wrap up. First one is, can you review the three steps again? Because I love how you took us into like the pre-work of like, what do we do? Because we are all on overwhelm and everybody wants to get out of it. And you like flipped the whole conversation. You're like, okay, but before we get out of it, how about we talk about how not to get into it um, in that way? But what were those three steps that you mentioned? So a resiliency mindset is how you view, manage, and recover. And recover. Yeah. When we support our kids in those three steps, right? If you have a kid that already is difficult, and he goes right, you know that it's where you got to start is teaching him how to recover um, and doing support there. But some of our kids need support at all, all of those, right? So you may have a kid that's a, a decent manager of stress and you're like, wait, I got to get him to change how he views things. But when we really start getting our kids, you know, if you have a kid that's a glass half full, you already know what I'm talking about. If you have a kid that's a glass half empty, you know what I'm talking about. I got one of each and it's the strangest conversations in my house because I got, I got yes. one always like, nope, not going to happen. And I got one that says it's going to be okay. Exactly. And it's the same for me in my house. And so the conversations are different. And, um, and what's great is the younger one who's the glass half full gives some coaching to the older one. You know, it's just really, it's great. And you keep those conversations over, you know, open, you, you talk in a really positive solution focused way. So, you know, not a lot of judgment. And so we have an opportunity in all three of those to help build how your kids manage stress, because that is the basis of mental health. It is strongly tied to physical health. It has to do with longevity, you know? And so we know people that are um, a glass half full live longer, are happier, have less depression, less anxiety. So when we start changing that, and and you know this is where a therapist can help you. They can coach you. Um, they can help your child start to look at things differently. And this doesn't matter whether you have real stress, like serious things going on, or 
it's your child is just a str easily stressed kid. It doesn't matter. These are all things your kids can benefit from. Just obviously, if your kid is clinical issues, it's going to take longer. There's never a magic wand. Please never think a pill is just going to fix it. This is These are learning new habits. And so when we're like, oh, it's a habit. Yes. Guess what? You can unlearn it and learn something else. I think it becomes like a, a, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. And that and that's, you know, one of the biggest things that I think we we do so much doom and gloom for parents and we don't ever teach them. Um, so it's so important. This is these are things that are so easy to do. You can do them for yourself. You can teach your kids um, and they'll have, you know, what does all parent want? They want their kids to have beautiful, happy lives and, and learning how to cope and, you know, with stress is so critical. Okay. So I got a second question yeah. um, that I think is really important. Mm -hmm. so we brought up some really significant kind of mental health concerns and we've made an encouragement to go get some additional assistance when you need to. I think one of the gray areas, and I know we're going to wrap this up one up quick. And I know guys, I will have Roseanne back on with us and we will talk on some more hot topics um, on this, but I want to make sure there's a lot of isolated special needs parents right now that are, yeah. that are thinking do I really need help or don't I? Could you give us this? And I think when people think crisis, they think I'm not thinking suicidal thoughts, yeah. so I'll be okay. And they think that the that the bottom is, is suicidal thoughts only. Yeah. And I bring that up just because I know the level of struggle that's happening in these isolated special yeah. homes. Can you give three or four other maybe behavior characteristics that a parent would might be experiencing or a teacher, you know, or an adult in the class yeah. might in, in the home right now might be experiencing where you would say, mm, this is a little bit more than breath work. You yeah. need to call somebody. Yeah. And, and here's what I want to, that is such an amazing question. And thank you for asking it. So, so I've had the privilege of working across the developmental spectrum. And when you work across the developmental spectrum, you get to see the young child's behavior and where does it tie to later? And how grateful am I that I worked with kids that are like, that were three that are adults today. So first of all, here's a really startling statistic that every single person needs to hear. Because when I read this, I was like, I can't believe this. On average, it takes 11 years from the start of a mental health problem for a person to get help. Wow. How about that? And, you know, what we're seeing in mental health is is unbelievable. I mean, my 30 years, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Uh, I would have never known. So kids show us their behaviors. They show us what they're feeling inside. They don't tell us. Okay. So you're going to see somatic complaints. You're going to see belly aches. You're going to see headaches. You're going to see, you know, maybe resistance to school without being able to explain why. Um, you might see cheerfulness and anger and tantrums, resistance and eating. Those are the kind of things you see with kids at every age. These are not just young child behaviors. So you want to look for those kind of things. The other thing I want to say is I've never had somebody regret help. I've only had every single day I get people who regret not getting help every single day. And I want to say that, you know, there's definitely been times where I've cried with the parents and um, and I never feel bad. 
When we're in a crisis, it's certainly not too late, but know that our U.S. mental health system, and hello, even Europe is catching up, unfortunately, is a terrible place when you're in crisis. It is scary. Um, there are so many things. So your kid, you know, wanting to harm themselves, let me tell you, that is a buildup of a long time. And so the other part of this that's really so critical for educators and, and parents to hear, I cannot say this enough, we have to stop thinking that somebody has a clinical mental health issue and they're not functional. So people think you, if you got good grades, um, you're talking to people, you're getting on the school bus, that you are not hurting inside that you are not depressed, you don't have OCD, you don't have ADD. It is one of the biggest battles. And I know a lot of parents are like, I tell them that. I had a situation where a kid was a national honors student, top 10 in his class, and uh, had OCD rituals four hours a night. Four hours a night of OCD rituals, still a straight A. They were like, we're not going to give him a 504. I mean, he was really breaking down and they couldn't get it. And it was just painful for me to sit there because they could only believe that he was a straight A student and they couldn't understand four straight hours a night of, of OCD rituals. And, you know, that was a long time ago. And it was such a realization and a slap in the face for me at how disconnected we, we are. We think that, you know, look at all the adults going around in the world with anxiety and depression. And they're going to their job. They're married. They're providing for their kids. And they still have clinical anxiety. So if you see signs, you suspect it, go find a mental health provider and go to somebody who does therapy, not gives pills because it's the changing of behaviors that creates lifelong wellness. And that is what you want for your kid. You don't want a temporary relief. We want to teach them new behaviors. And let me tell you, you special ed parents and educators know because you don't want a whole language reading program when you're dyslexic. You want to teach them. You want the foundational skills. And it's the same thing with mental health. It's just a different learning. And, you know, and we we all can benefit from it. We should have no shame. Um, and I hope this time, like I said, is a recalibration of priorities for people. I know, I know we have a lot on our plate as special ed parents. But I can tell you without a strength, a core self-esteem, your kids will suffer more in their lives because of that than because of anything else. And when your kid has that, wow, the limit, there are no limits. There are yeah. no limits when you have self-confidence. Yes. All right. So I'm going to make sure that in the show notes that you guys have the links of how to get a hold of Dr. Roseanne. She has um, a YouTube channel that's going to have a wealth of information um, up and coming and um, always engaging on the most intensive topics that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. 
but not Dr. Rowe. <laughs> You'll talk right <laughs> about them. And I love that. So, um, and don't forget that if you want to continue this conversation, you can also hop over to the special education inner circle. That's at specialedinnercircle.com. That's where we take these podcast conversations and resources to the next level where, where I can talk with you. Our master IP coach team can talk with you and we can help you work through what you need to do to take the next step. So Dr. Roseanne, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Awesome conversation. I look forward to the next one. Yes. All right. Bye everyone. Until next time.